Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. How's it going, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Shock Factor podcast, where this week, I am joined by one of my favorite people in all of college baseball, and I say that semi-biasedly because he helped me achieve my dreams of playing at Virginia, but we're sitting down with Rutgers hitting coach Mike Garza to talk all things college baseball from, you know, working defensively with the, with the infielders at Rutgers to becoming their hitting coach that he was named this year. He was promoted as the Rutgers hitting coach where he was a volunteer assistant for two years prior. Before working at Rutgers, he spent three years on the Virginia staff. He was the coordinator of video and scouting. Um, he, this is the time frame where he saw me play for the Katuit Cavaliers in the Cape Cod League and went to a meeting at UVA and said, hey, we should recruit this guy. So thank you very much for that, Mike Garza. You are the absolute GOAT, and I really appreciate you doing that. That was really cool. You didn't have to. Before that, Garza was an assistant coach at Navy. That's kind of where his college coaching career started in 2018. Before that, he was in pro ball for a number of years, I believe up until 2016. He was playing in the independent ranks in the Frontier League. He went to he left affiliated ball in 2014 and in 2015 is when he joined the independent ranks. And we learn a little bit about that's kind of where he dipped his toes into the coaching water for the first time, where he was both a player and a hitting coach. But he's just had an incredible baseball journey. His college baseball journey was quite unique as well, where he initially was recruited to play at Stanford after spending a freshman year there where, you know, he didn't really get much playing time. He decided it was best for him to transfer before the transfer portal existed. So he transferred to Georgetown, sat out a year, and then the next two years just absolutely balled out before getting drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers in the 2012 draft. And he's just had such a unique baseball journey where he's one way or another always found a way back to the game. It's one of those interesting things where you know, you see a person who's just doing what they're meant to be doing in life. And so I wanted to pick his brain a little bit about making that decision to get into college coaching and just where he's at now. So without further ado, let's get into it. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. We are excited here on the Shock Factor podcast because we're being joined by not only one of the, one of the newest and brightest assistant coaches in the Big Ten, but one of my friends, Coach Mike Garza. Coach Garza, how are you doing today? I'm great, Chuck. Um, really excited to, to be on with you and uh, happy to get to reconnect. So appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. Now, of course, now you're at Rutgers. You, I, I believe you just got promoted to assistant coach where you're the hitting coach now. And I know you were working primarily like defensively while you were the volunteer there. Are, are you still doing that? Is it just because they don't really list you know, assistant, they do like assistant hitting coach. They typically don't do assistant infield coach. So like, are you still doing defensive stuff or are you fully focused on hitting now? 
Yeah, I am. Uh, so when I came to, to Rutgers, I was primarily focused uh, on infielders. Uh, also, you know, had a lot of flexibility and freedom to work with, with hitters, um, with coach Pedro who was, uh, awesome to me, kind of a great mentor. So just got to learn from him and, and work with guys. And then now, you know, in this new transition, um, you know, I've kept working with the infielders, but also taking on, you know, that role of hitting coach. And it's just, it's kind of a team effort, right? We, we just brought on coach Danny Bethay from St. John's who, who's been incredible and, works with our outfielders and catchers, but also helps with our hitters. So as you know, you know, college baseball kind of takes a village and there's, there's only four of us, um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's kind of all hands on deck to, to be a part of the team and, and help out any way we can. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we get into what's going on now in current times in Rutgers, I, I did my research and I got to flex that I did my research a little bit, but I, I want to, you know, go a little chronologically and, the order of events that happened because that's how my brain works and that's how things make sense. But I saw back in 2008, you were the Texas high school baseball player of the year. What were you like as a high school baseball player? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> probably still a work in progress, but I was, it was really fortunate, you know, growing up in Texas playing uh, kind of year around uh, was uh, probably pretty big for, for my development. You know, we played multiple sports, but you're always able to get outside. Um, and I was just really lucky. I got around some really good coaches, played with some really good players, uh, kind of got challenged by, by those guys, whether it was in, you know, high school or, you know, travel baseball. Um, but I just played, I just love, love playing the game. So the two way player, um, my career on the mound was, was short lived in college, but, uh, you know, I just, just like to get after it and, you know, try to win games. That was, that was the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. So mentioning that you were a two-way player, what part of your game would you attribute the recognition coming from? Was it, was it more the offense and defense side of things or was it like on the bump where you just like disgusting and he hit two. So it's like, okay, we'll give him this. What, what was it about you? I don't know. I, I think I was, um, you know, had some success at, at both, obviously, um, the offense was probably a little bit more uh, polished at, at that time and continued to be throughout my career. But, um, you know, I, I did both and I enjoyed doing both, um, you know, probably focus more on, on the position player side, but I loved pitching. I uh, just kind of went out there and threw though, you know, I didn't really know how to pitch. <laughs> so uh, again, once I jumped to the next level, that was, that was, a, that was a short lived uh, career, but uh, it was fun while it lasted in the, in the high school ranks. Yeah. Now you mentioned playing multiple sports growing up. What other sports did you play, Coach? I played played basketball, played football uh, for a couple of years. Uh, really probably enjoyed basketball more. Baseball was always number one and what we spent the most time on and was my priority. Uh, but we, we did it all, I think, up until uh, my, my sophomore year. Uh, you know, we played all three sports and then just kind of started to focus on on baseball only. Uh, you know, into my junior and senior year. Yeah, I, I was very fortunate where I was horrible at basketball and just all other sports. So I got to specialize in baseball real early. On. <laughs> well, yeah. I didn't say I was good at, at, the, at the other two sports, <laughs> but I played them. Yeah, you were athletic enough that they were like, hey, they, they didn't make the decision for you. You got for to sure. make a grown up sure. decision. Sure. Now, you mentioned your sophomore year kind of focusing more on baseball. Is that when you really got recruited to play in college, or when did that happen for you? 
Yeah, probably around there is, is when it started. You know, it started going to, to camps. I think the landscape of recruiting was very different um, back then. And it wasn't that long ago, but it was it was still different. Um, and so the, the the camps in terms of, you know, multiple schools going to, to kind of different uh, events, I think it, it really kind of just started. Um, and so I, I went out to uh, Florida to an event and, and kind of sparked some interest from different schools along the East Coast. Um, and then in my, my sophomore, um, summer, or I guess it would have been junior summer, um, attended some, some different events. And, and back then the rules were that they couldn't call you until July 1st, you know, going into your senior year. So, um, you know, really very different, I guess, kind of shifting to, to where it is now with, with the new rules. Um, so I'd say I didn't probably get recruited until I was a, a junior or after my junior year. Uh, but I think, you know, probably saw some of the interest spark and, and for me, probably started to realize that it was a dream that was attainable, um, you know, in my sophomore summer going into my junior year. Yeah, absolutely. And just going along with that and like the events changing, I completely forgot that when I was recruited, I couldn't get calls till I think it was July 1st of my sophomore year is how the rules were but i like with how the wild how crazy it's all gotten i completely forgot that even existed yeah it's different you know and, and again i think we're turning back in that direction of kind of slowing the process down um with the rules that, that are currently in place but um you know I, i'm not here to decide whether it's better or worse it's just kind of what they what they were and um you know, at the time you, you played in front of a lot of different people, but you really didn't know if anyone was, was interested in you because <laughs> you couldn't talk to them. So uh, you just kind of kept working and kept playing and, and kept trying to compete against a high level of competition. And, you know, you'd kind of see what happened when July 1st came around, which it was like, that was like Christmas for us, right? As a, as a high school <laughs> athlete and trying to see what was, you know, what was available to you at that time. Yeah, I remember the very first day that I was able to get phone calls I didn't get any calls till about 8 p.m. at at night, and it was a call from Comcast, which I don't know how they have my number or anything <laughs> like that. It was like the worst, like that was probably the meanest I've ever been to a telemarketer <laughs> to date. But so it, it's just so interesting how it's changed. Now, getting to college, what was your college experience like? Like, what was your highest point? What was your favorite moment? Ooh. Um... I think, I don't know if I could choose one. I think just, just being able to play really, um, you know, I kind of, my story was a little bit different and unique. I, I started off, um, you know, my college career at Stanford as, as a freshman, um, you know, didn't get a lot of playing time, probably wasn't fully ready, um, to, to compete and to, to really know what I was in for as a freshman, like most, you know, like most freshmen, yeah. you know, who is changes and, um, you know, some of them obviously can, can do it. Um, you know, I was part of a really talented team that year in, in 2009 uh, that had just come off of going to the World Series. So, it was, you know, it was an adjustment for me. Um, and, and ultimately ended up deciding, you know, my time there that it probably wasn't, you know, the best fit for me in my career. There's nothing against the school or the program. Obviously, they had, a you know, a great program and still do. Um, but I opted to, to transfer uh, back, you know, Free, uh, free transfer portal. So um, <laughs> those rules, you had to sit out here. So I made a, you know, a pretty big decision and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to sit out for two years and then give myself an opportunity to play. And um, you know, really fortunate to to have an opportunity to go to Georgetown and play for 
uh, for Pete Wilk and, and the coaches there um, and got, got a chance to get on the field and play. And that was, you know, it's probably like those two years are probably my highest moments. You know, you kind of wait for that and work <laughs> for it for, for two years. And then you get a chance to get on the field and play with some really good players in a, in a good conference. And that's, that landscape's changed, but you know, the, the old big East had a little bit different dynamic in teams and um, you know, I was really cool. Uh, and it gave me an opportunity to, to get on the field and, and to get scouted and to do those things. And so that was, that's probably the highlight of, of my career is just getting out there and, and being with the guys on the field and, and competing and, and giving us a chance to, to win. I think that was, you know, really special um, for me and, and something that, uh, you know, at some points in my career, I didn't, I didn't think were possible. So um, I'd have to say that was it. Definitely. And when, when you were at Georgetown, were you guys playing at Shirley Povich? We were. Oh, really that, what a field. What a, <laughs> what a phenomenal place. There's never been a bad inning of baseball on that field. It was, there's, there's never a dull inning of baseball. There might, there might've been some bad <laughs> yeah, innings because well, I'm pretty but, sure I was on the field for some bad ones, but uh, that was our home, <laughs> man. That was the, uh, the 30 minute commute, you know, from, from Georgetown from campus to get to Povich and the hour and a half commute home in the middle of, of traffic was always a joy <laughs> during the week. Uh, but we, we kind of embraced it, you know, it was just something that, that we did and there's challenges and, you know, I, I'm sure as, as you know, I've been playing, um, you know, being in the industry, like there's challenges everywhere. Right. And it's just mm -hmm. how you respond and, and embrace them. Um, we didn't always do a good job of that, but, uh, I think it became a time where we could kind of bond as teammates. We drove the vans there and drove them back. And like, you're stuck there with 11 guys, you know, for two hours every day, like <laughs> you get close in that time period. Yeah. And you learn a lot about people when you're stuck in that DC traffic together. Sure. Just like sure. how they good. respond. <laughs> good and bad. You learn good and bad. <laughs> but Hey, at least you learn it and you learn it organically. Now, after playing at Georgetown, you spent a couple of years in pro ball before kind of coming back to the coaching scene. How long were you in pro ball before you kind of made that decision to say, hey, you know what, I actually, I want to be on the other side of the game. I want to coach and, you know, kind of do my best to teach these guys how I thought I should be playing and kind of go that route. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was really fortunate to get drafted by the Brewers in 2012 um played uh in their system through the 2015 season uh and then uh played independent ball for about a year and a half um and really didn't have a a next step um you know the manager uh that I my first manager uh with the Brewers Jeff Isom uh he was managing the independent league team in Joliet so uh once I was released he called me and I got an opportunity to go play for him. Um, and in that first season, we had a, a hitting coach opening. So he asked me if I wanted to take on the role of kind of being a player coach and, and being the hitting coach while playing. And uh, I said, well, <laughs> is there an option? He said, no, not really. So um, I did that and it was really cool. It was probably the first time I really, you know, thought about coaching at that level. Um, and just got like a really unique, experience and perspective and like trying to go out and perform, but then also coach guys to do the same thing. And, <laughs> and that was challenging at times because when you're over four with three strikeouts and you have to go work with guys the next day, it's um, sometimes not a lot of confidence that you can have in that setting. Uh, but, but it was cool. It, you know, you, you were kind of able to, to use that and like, 
you know, I think I, I kind of grew from it, right. That it was like, Hey, you know, you're trying to connect with, with different guys, not based on your performance from the night before or what, what you do as a coach or as a player, but you know, how you can relate to them as a coach. So that was kind of my first taste of it. Um, and then I, I kind of got out of the game for a little bit. Um, went back to Texas. I was working, uh, work sales for, for a little while, uh, realized that, uh, I didn't want anything to do with, with any of that. So, um, just kind of out of the blue is, as sometimes a lot of things happen, right. You just, I got a phone call, um, hurricane Harvey had just hit Houston, which is where we were living. Uh, we had kind of shut some things down from, from work and we were helping, uh, renovate houses or, or demo houses that were affected by the floods. Um, and we were, you know, sitting on the lawn of a, of a house that we were cutting, you know, drywall and carpet out of. We got a call from, from the Naval Academy, Coach Jeff Kane, um, had reached out. He'd got my number from my college coach, Pete Wilk, and, and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in being a volunteer at, at Navy? Um, and I hadn't really thought about college baseball at that time. Um, but it was something that intrigued me and talked to my wife about it and and ended up saying, Hey, let's do it. And that kind of steamrolled this whole process. And, and now we're here. So. <laughs> no, that's, that's incredible. I didn't realize you had like that Jackie moon style role, the player, the manager, the coach, yeah. all of that. <laughs> but it's also one of those unique situations where it's like, okay, I'm going to learn how to coach, but as a coach, one of the most important things is connecting with these players. How do I connect with these players, infiltrate them myself be a player myself and see that perspective. So I think that gives you just such a unique perspective that probably a lot of coaches don't have at this point. So that's awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, like I said, it was, it was different, right? Like I was young and, and probably still, I, I think I was fairly mature as a player because I had kind of been through, you know, the system and, and had seen pro ball, you know, for, for a number of years and, and had some guys, um, and probably one of the most unique things was that I was coaching guys who were, you know, 22 years old, fresh out of college, um, who were trying to, you know, make a name for themselves, but also some guys that had spent some, some serious time, you know, in affiliated baseball at the double AA, A, triple A level. Um, so, so at times I was sitting there as a coach, like, asking them what they wanted to do um, <laughs> more so than what I thought they should do. So it was, again, it was a cool experience. And I think I, I learned a lot from it. Um, but I, you know, again, like you said, you just develop relationships, right. And try to make connections. And I'm sure I wasn't uh, a very good hitting coach in that year, but uh, it was a cool experience for me. <laughs> hey everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Friday kingdom of the planet of the apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now, so you've had that experience where you've kind of coached at the pro level and then you get to Navy and you volunteer there. What was it about the college game or just this level of baseball that you were like, hey, that's what I want to stay involved with? 
you know, I think it's just the impact that you can make, you know, on a, on a group of, of individuals that are, uh, you know, 18 to, to 22 years old, both from a baseball standpoint, but also just for them maturing as, as young adults and, and maturing into men and, you know, accountability and discipline. And obviously, you know, when you talk about the Naval Academy, a lot of that was instilled in them <laughs> through the Academy, not through us so much, but uh, just really cool, like being around those guys. And, and that was a special group of, you know, of human beings um, kind of goes without saying, uh, but the more I got into it, the more that, you know, I could kind of really see that I could draw from my experiences to, to help these guys with their baseball career. Uh, that was really gratifying uh, for me um, to just kind of be a, be a part of that, a small part of it, but a part of it nonetheless. So, um, you know, after that, that year, I just kind of got the itch and, and wanted to to keep going. And it's been, you know, it's been a blast ever since. Obviously, takes the game takes you to different places and around different people. But no matter where you go, you get, a, you know, a bunch of, you know, young adults or I guess, um, like for your case, you were a man when you came to UVA. <laughs> but, um, you know, they just want to play, want to compete at a high level, but still have a lot of maturing to do, right? And still have a lot of growing up to do. And you can kind of help with that process, you know, between the lines and off the field, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and I mean, if anyone's like, oh, what, what's Coach Garza talking about with UVA and him being a grown man? It, well, he also mentioned taking a break from baseball to go into sales and then coming back to baseball. For reference as to how old I was when we crossed paths, I took a break from college baseball to sell insurance and came back, and Garza was still my college coach. So it, I was old back then, but the impact you talk about, that's one of the things that I think is just so good for the game of baseball. And like one of the reasons I honestly really love it at the college level is just because yeah, I mean, you look at guys, they come to campus when they're 18 years old. They don't know where a single building is. They don't know what an alarm clock is. They don't know how to cook spaghetti yet. They'll learn. And then, you know, by the time they're done, they're kind of a semi-functioning adult ready for society, which I, I know for other players, not, not me, that's typically true, but it, it's something that's so important. And you also mentioned going to really cool places. One of the places I know you coached at and where I kind of first crossed paths with you was, was on the Cape. So how did you end up coaching in Cape Cod, like kind of kicking off your journey? I was just trying to get uh, get my feet wet in the game, right? I was a young coach, uh, you know, took the job at, at Navy, uh, and and really just kind of had to like grow as a as a coach uh, and 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 learn, uh, but also you know try to grow my network too, right? And uh, see where that took me. So I reached out to Steve Engler, who's the uh, manager of the Harwich Mariners, who I was fortunate enough to play for. Uh, when I was in college and, and really, really had a lot of respect for him, asked him, you know, if he needed any help uh, that summer in the Cape. And he said, absolutely, come come on, you know, come on out and come work with us. And so I uh, I tagged along there and, um, you know, again, just ran across some, some awesome people. Obviously, the Cape has a tremendous amount of talent, you know, guys that went on to that are, you know, now playing in the big leagues and um, so that was, that was a really cool experience too, to, to just be around a, a high level of baseball player, uh, but also some high level minds, you know, in, in baseball and got a chance to watch you pitch against us a few times. And, uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool too. 
Yeah, well, I, I'm glad he gave you the chance to be up there so you could see me so I could get to UVA a little bit easier. Um, so thank you for that, because that definitely helped out. Um, but you're talking about bringing that impact. You changed my life because of it. So thank you for that. I got to say thank you at some point. I couldn't go the whole 30 minutes or so without saying it. <laughs> no, well, you deserved it. Well, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I believe I got bailed out the game I pitched against y'all. So whatever illusion I gave, happy I did it. But you mentioned getting to go to different cool places for baseball. Where would you say is the coolest place the game of baseball has taken you? Um, coolest place might be tough. I think most exotic place potentially is, is Hawaii. <laughs> Um, I actually have been there twice now, uh, solely for baseball, never for, for leisure, but, uh, coming out of high school, you know, I didn't have a place to play, um, you know, in the summer going into my freshman year and there was a league, a collegiate league in Hawaii, um, which probably isn't the most, uh, disciplined place for a, an 18 year old graduating <laughs> high school, but, uh, I'm so really jealous. cool. <laughs> Really cool experience. You know, I, I got to play against kids who were, you know, 20, 21, 22, who were already in college. Um, really grew up. I, I think I probably grew up more playing in that league. I was living with four other college uh, players who kind of took me in, um, but but treated me uh, like an adult uh, and taught me some, <laughs> some tough lessons about, you know, just maturing the things you talk about, cleaning up after yourself, being, you know, being accountable to, you know, the people you live with and, and, I think I was pretty mature for an 18 year old, but definitely just had never experienced that. Right. I was still living at home with mom and dad. Um, uh, and so that was an awesome experience for me. I got to play out there. And then uh, in the 22 season here at Rutgers, we actually uh, played against Hawaii uh, in a four game series out there. So uh, revisited uh, the islands for, for that uh, series as well, which was, which is pretty cool. And it was, you know, it was a cool experience for our players too, right? There's some people that never get the chance to, to go out there. So for our guys to be able to kind of do that while also playing in the middle of their season, I thought was, was pretty special for them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it, it's one of I love nothing more than coming home from a long day and it's like 1 a.m. And I, and I open the ESPN app and there's Hawaii baseball is just playing some random school from the States. It like, I, I remember seeing Rutgers out there and I was like, okay, um, were they just trying to do the furthest away? Um, but <laughs> like it, it's one of the greatest things. And so I'm, I'm sure you got to watch a lot of like replays of their games and scouting them and stuff. But like the commercials are one of my favorite things. Cause it's just yeah. like home productions. I'm sure you guys fast forward and there's the technology to get through all that, but if you're ever in a situation where Rutgers is playing Hawaii again, highly recommend checking out the commercials while you're scouting. <laughs> I'll keep that but, in mind. I, I didn't notice, but I'll, I'll be sure to take a look there, at it. I'll send you one off of YouTube um, later, just, just so you can see it and be like, okay, he's not that crazy. Like it's kind of a normal thing, but also he's, you know, Steve, he's crazy. Um, but as a hitting coach at Rutgers, obviously one of the largest responsibilities you have for the guys is helping them establish a plan at the plate. And of course, I'm not going to ask you, hey, what what exactly are your hitters thinking when they're going into the box? Because 
that if there's other coaches listening, they could just be like, oh, well, when we play Rutgers this year, we'll just do the opposite of that. So I'm not asking that, but what sort of scouting goes into it to where you're helping these, these players with their approaches at the plate and kind of what goes into it from the behind the scenes as a staff into like kind of helping build a hitting plan, building a plan for these guys when they get in the box. Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, we have our approach, uh, our general approach is, is hitters, um, which, you know, really for me to, to keep it simple is just to have clarity, you know, in, in what you're doing and what your plan is. I think that's probably one of the most challenging things for younger players um, or even college players, right. Is to just really have clarity to, to what they want to do and what they're looking for uh, when they go up to bat. Uh, from a from an opponent standpoint, you know, there's obviously a lot of resources with with video and uh, with reports and data. Uh, and so we we try to dive into that as a staff and, and kind of filter through um, a lot of the chaos is, is what I call it because there's <laughs> so much information. Right. And you really try to just break it down into, hey, what does this guy do um, to try to get hitters out in certain situations, you know, and then how are we going to combat that for each pitcher? And some of that will change, obviously, you know, from pitcher to pitcher, but also given the situation in the game. Um, and you try to look into that. And I think our job is to just really, you know, I'll say it again, just be kind of a filtration system for our hitters so that uh, their mind isn't bogged down with the data and the metrics and the analysis of it all. That's our job as, as coaches. Um, and we can we can filter through it uh, and give them the, the cleanest, most simple, most clear, you know, approach and plan versus, you know, a specific pitcher in a specific situation um, and let them go out and do what they do. You know, we have some really good athletes, some really good hitters, um, some really talented just individuals. Right. So so as to not limit them uh, in their abilities, just just give them a really simple and clear plan and, and let them go do what they do. Yeah, absolutely. I say it all the time. I think whoever thinks first in baseball ends up losing. So having a coaching staff that can kind of just be like, hey, go out and compete. We've done all the prep work. Like, you've prepared well. Now the results are the results. There's nothing we can really do about those. It, it seems like you guys really have that down to like, okay, look, this is our preparation. We trust it. Now just go and do it, which is awesome. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, one of the biggest things about hitters is just your mentality, right? And, and you know, as a pitcher and anyone who follows you knows how you were as a pitcher. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's what made you successful, right? It was just the competitive nature of, of how you went about it. And it was you versus the hitter. And I think that's what we try to instill in our guys, right? Like, like you just said, the preparation uh, happens, you know, during the week, uh, physically, the, the preparation mentally and, and approach wise, you know, typically happens um, a day or two leading up to the, to the weekend, you know, and, and film review and study and gathering report meetings. And then once you get to the field, it's, you step in the box and it's, it's you versus the pitcher and who's going to win, you know, who wants, who wants to win more and, you know, who's going to outcompete the other one. It, it's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. I wouldn't want to face your hitters because seems like their mental approach is a little bit better than mine as a washed up 26 year old might be. <laughs> but I, I do want to ask you one question because last year you helped Rutgers have a top, top of the big 10 defensively. You were ranked fourth, I believe. And you had four whole or four new faces in the infield. So four, four guys, first time in the Rutgers lineup. How do you feel like, 
you guys got the players adjusted to be in a place where they're ready not only to just be in the lineup, but to also thrive in those situations? Yeah, I think first off, it's just it's the players, right? First and foremost, like we we've got a really really talented group of players, they're really good athletes. Uh, you know, our job as coaches is uh, just to prepare them for those situations. Um, and a big part of that defensively is just routine, you know, routine, 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 and consistency in that. There's uh, there's only so much that you can get creative with, uh, I think, in, in infield play. Um, you know, when you talk about especially the college game and infielders, it's you just you got to make the routine plays and then you know, we give our guys freedom to, to be athletes and, and do things and practice that uh, sometimes, you know, we call them freestyle plays, you know, where <laughs> we take, you know, just a minute or two at the end of each infield session, you just have them do, you know, kind of the Harlem Globetrotters of, of infield play. And at times, you know, some of the things that they do end up presenting themselves in games with throwing from different arm angles and, you know, glove flipping at second base, because that's the only play. And then you got to have to, to reel them in a little bit and make sure you, you keep the routine things routine, but, but again, let them go be athletes and play. So um, again, I, I think the number one um, facet of all that is just, just the guys that we have. Uh, we've got some really good athletes. A lot of those guys are, are returning this year, um, you know, and they've done a really good job just being disciplined every day with, with the work that they do. We have drills and routines that, that we stick to every day and uh, they've been great about, you know, hammering those and, and not just doing them, but, but really wanting to do them, like making defense a priority. Uh, and as all of us know, in the baseball world, you know, you talk about winning championships and you, and you always, you know, kind of come first to pitching the defense, you know? And so that's something that uh, we've tried to really emphasize in our guys and they bought into it. So, um, you know, it's kind of how we, how we came to it and hopefully how we can continue to do it, you know, for the years to come. I, I love that. Now, thinking of the freestyle plays, is there any one player who comes top of mind? It's like that guy is our best freestyler, or is it kind of just all a hodgepodge of, okay, college athletes are all just freaks these days. Everybody's so good. Yeah, I mean, the guys we have, I'll be honest, like they do some things uh, <laughs> really on a daily basis that I'm like, Holy cow. And sometimes <laughs> it's happened. Sometimes it's happened in games. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it, it happens in practice or, or inner squads and, you know, you're coaching from the dugout and the guy lay out and, and make a play and a throw that you're like, you didn't think they had the arm strength to make um, or just didn't can't really understand how they got to a ball. Um, but no, I mean, the, the guy, like I said, the guys we've had the last, uh, the last two years um, ha have really been incredible. Going back to, you know, Dan DiGiorgio, who's an All-American shortstop for us in, in 22, Josh Crowder-Grauer, Cam Love, Tony Santa Maria, uh, I think was on SportsCenter twice in 22 and was hurt last year. Uh, you know, so, you know, with Tony, Josh, and, and Cam back, like just a, a really dynamic group of, of athletes. And there's some other guys, too, that have, uh, have come in, you know, some young guys. Um, that have shown the same kind of athleticism. So we, we, you know, we try to be disciplined, but we also try to have fun with it and, and, and let them enjoy, you know, playing the game and, and making cool plays and, and going about it that way. <laughs> yeah, baseball is supposed to be fun. Um, I, I do have to ask, in PFP sessions, are freestyle plays ever allowed, or is that too much of an injury risk? I feel like 
I feel like myself as a pitcher, if I tried to freestyle any of these, I'd explode. <laughs> so we do keep the freestyle plays to the, uh, to the position players solely, but um, that's, bad. no, it's, it's actually really funny. Cause uh, you know, I've started to kind of uh, intermix and, and kind of help out with the PFPs this year uh, with our pitchers, which has been, been kind of fun. Um, trying to, you know, essentially just like train them like you would the infielders, right? You're still fielding ground balls and, and making throws. And, um, you know, it's funny, those those guys, uh, you know, they get so locked into pitching sometimes that you forget that, you know, the difference between a win or a loss, you know, could come and in, in how you feel your position. It's been really cool to see their development and kind of their um, desire and want to, to to get better at that. Um, so I think, uh, you know, they're always trying to disclaim the pitchers aren't athletes phrase. Um, and some of them do it really well. And some of them have a lot of work to do with it, but, uh, well, hey, that's the balance with them, with, with them. We try to keep it as routine as possible for sure. Yeah, that's fair. Sometimes the routine for pitchers is incredible. It is a freestyle. Play. <laughs> <laughs> well, coach Garza, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I can't thank you enough for carving the time out of your day. It's been really fun seeing you have success at Rutgers. Is there anything else we need to know about this upcoming season Rutgers baseball team? No, I, I don't think so. You know, I think this program uh, has obviously been on the rise for, for a couple of years. It was kind of knocked on the door to regional. And, um, you know, that's our goal this year to, to do that and kind of push beyond. We've got an awesome really awesome group of, of players this year and, and, and players and teammates, you know, and, and the culture of this group and coming to work with them every day has been really exciting. So, you know, we have a lot of high aspirations and goals uh, for them, but I think they have that for themselves too. So uh, the fall has been great and seeing the development and the growth of our, our team and the growth of individual players. Um, I'm just really excited for them to, to be able to get out and, and go compete because I think that, I think they're ready for it. You know, obviously that's the test is when you get to the spring. Um, but, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to the most is just kind of getting out there, going to battle with these guys and, and seeing what they can do. But uh, I think the future is bright for, for this group and we have to go out and improve that like every team, every, every year. Uh, but we're, we're really optimistic and uh, really excited about, you know, what this group can potentially bring to the table. And, the Shock Factor Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.